Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the 560th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective. Our clubs, leagues, players, national teams, and other fabulous moments. You can get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Rebel News Network. But once again, this show is dedicated to the American game, the American leagues, the American player. That is no doubt about it. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. This weekend that just passed, this is the final weekend that Major League Soccer clubs will no longer have regional sports networks broadcasting to the local fans, whether they play at home or on the road in league action anymore. That is correct. Television stations... Regional sports networks like Fox Sports Regional Networks that became, of course, Bally Sports Regional Networks, NBC Sports Regional Networks, Madison Square Garden Network, Spectrum Sports uh, Los Angeles, no more. The era of regional sports broadcasters for Major League Soccer clubs has officially ended this past decision day in Major League Soccer. That means, ladies and gentlemen, starting off in the 2023 Major League Soccer season, all regional sports broadcasters are now going to be on Apple TV+. The Apple TV Plus streaming will kick in starting next year once the 2023 Major League Soccer season schedule comes out. And even though Major League Soccer is still in negotiations with national broadcasters like ESPN, Fox Sports, as well as Spanish language provider Univision, we are going to miss those wonderful people, those famous voices that have called games for all these clubs before St. Louis City SC comes into play in 2023. It is very sad to see this era end when the league got started back in 1996. The era has changed. The technology has changed. We are going along with the times. Yes, 
we have the ESPN Plus, we have the Peacock, we have Paramount Plus, being sports having their own app, we have VIX, TUDN app, regional sports networks with an app. Apps are now the way of the future. Apps are now the way of the future for how this sport is being broadcasted across the internet bandwidth as well as through the satellite streaming dishes. Things have changed. Whether it's for the good or for the bad, I do not know. But one thing is for sure. We may get some of these play-by-play announcers that have done the job for regional sports networks. We may not have some of them joining us or may be joining national broadcasting channels. But one thing is for sure, is that I want to thank everyone who has spent their time promoting the game in this country, promoting the first division in our league, the first division in this country, and hopefully they will be used somewhere down the road when we get to the U.S. Open Cup. The hope is that they will also be used for CONCACAF events, whether it be the Gold Cup, the Champions League, youth tournaments in CONCACAF, anywhere and everywhere. I want to thank these special people. And if I miss your name, please do not be upset because I have already mentioned you as I was able to write an article in World Soccer Talk called MLS Killed the TV Star. But I want to thank these wonderful people. I want to thank, of course, Joe Tollison. I want to thank Dave Johnson. Neil Bucati. I want to thank J.P. Della Camera. I want to thank Steve Cangelosi, Shep Messing, Joe Tutino, Anthony Passarelli, Mark Followill, Callum Williams, Neil Sika, Brad Feldman, Adrian Healy, Dwight Burgess. Marcelo Balboa, Tony Husband, Richard Fleming, Kendra D. St. Aubin, Jordan Angeli, Jones, Chris Dangerfield, Greg Sutton, Luke Wheelman, Peter Schad, Max Bredos, Anthony Cord, excuse me, Andreas Cordero, Ray Hudson, Glenn Davis, Eddie Robinson. I think I mentioned Neil Sika, but I want to say it again just in case I've forgotten. 
so many other names, so many other people. Charlie Davies, of course, he's no longer with us. Paul Mariner. Ian Paul Joy. Devin McTavish. So many wonderful people. Jacob Peterson. Christian Miles. Keith Costigan, Arlo White, Tyler Terrence, Casey Keller, Sivan, Bill Riley, Dan Kelly, and everyone else involved in the United States and in Canada, I'm here to say thank you to every single one of you. Every single one of you that has taken your time to show the love and the support of this game in this country. And listen, I understand. It's there, you know, we're going to have our differences here. We're going to have our differences on how the game should be managed and governed in this country. And believe me, I've had my own arguments and anger and, uh, you know, just trying to make sense of what's been going on here, not just with the U.S. and Canada and in North America. And like I said, if I have forgotten your name, do not worry. I have mentioned all of you in my World Soccer Talk article. And I have also given you respect and applause and praise on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow my timeline, I have made sure that for those that have Twitter accounts, that you were recognized, like Kevin Egan, Jillian Sakovitz, Maurice Du, and so on, and so on. Adrian Healy, of course. Michael LaHood, every single one of you. All of you. That has done this job, all of you, that has gone out and made sure that we honor and respect your hard work and dedication to the game in this country. It is, without a doubt, in my opinion, the greatest things we have ever seen covering this game. It has been a pleasure. A very, very wonderful pleasure that you were able to get in front of the cameras, 
talk into the microphones, wear the headsets, to go out and do a job. You've done it so brilliantly, wonderfully, and I'm all very happy to say that I can call you colleagues. I can call you colleagues, I can call you friends and neighbors covering the game in this country. It is without a doubt a sad time for some of you that probably will not be back in it. But I also want to say I'm very proud to have known you. And also, of course, unfortunately for one year, it was Eric Krakauer and Lloyd Sam over in Charlotte. But let me just say this. Knowing Eric very well and covering Lloyd Sam when he was with the New York Rebels, you know, those two, very, very uh, excited for them when they got their jobs. And unfortunately for them, it's a one and doneer when the Apple News popped up. Jamie Watson, of course, in Nashville, thank you for your time as well. This, my friends, is the sad part where we must say goodbye. And hopefully, hopefully, they can uh, come back and get ready. Get ready for a 2023 season when Apple TV Plus will be the ones that will pop up starting next season and get ready for a brand new era in professional sports broadcasting. And this, my friends, it's going to be a wonderful time. Time to now talk about Open Cup qualifying as the second round will begin this upcoming weekend as I interview those clubs that have earned that first round by and now will advance and start their trips and journey to qualify for the 2023 U.S. Open Cup. My first guest coming from North Carolina, Tobacco Road FC. This is Mr. Cedric Burke, who joins me right now. Cedric, good evening, and welcome to the show. Daniel, good evening. Happy to be here, my friend. I appreciate the invite. And I'm very happy you took the invite as well. First of all, congratulations on the attempt to go for the Open Cup uh, and to qualify for a spot in the first round. Um, when you got the news that the, the, your bid was accepted by U.S. Soccer and from the Open Cup committee, what was the room like over in Tobacco Road FC? Well, obviously there was a level of excitement. You know, I think anyone who's passionate about this game, especially at the amateur level, you know, this is what this is what it's all about. You know, it's about proving yourself against the best competition and providing the platform for our young men and for our area. So, obviously, the U.S. Open Cup is the uh, best level of competition we have in our sport, 
in terms of a pure championship where amateurs can compete alongside professionals. So this has always been a, a bucket list item and a, and a target for our club. We have not lost Cedric. Oh, there he is. Daniel Are you Miami? still there, Cedric? I can I hear you. you hear yep, me? I can hear you. Yep, yep, I can hear you. Did you did you hear my response? Hopefully, you don't or, lose. Or should I? <laughs> well, I don't. Hopefully, no one's going to pull the plug on you when you're celebrating. So, uh, if I, <laughs> but uh, you know, as you said, this is the premier uh, tournament for the amateur sides and and all the clubs involving uh, affiliated with uh, U.S. soccer and. Uh, we're very, very excited to see how uh, your club is going to go out there and perform uh, at a high level now, uh, now that you're going to have that opportunity this upcoming weekend. Uh, for those of us that are not aware, and I'll admit I've heard of Tobacco Road, but I'm not sure the reasons for it. Why are you called Tobacco Road FC? Sure. Well, the Tobacco Road nomenclature is very important in Central North Carolina. So essentially from a historical perspective, uh, Central North Carolina, specifically from Raleigh through Wake Forest, um, actually towards Winston-Salem, was known as Tobacco Road from uh, the tobacco trade. And those were the roads essentially what is now Interstate 40 used to be tobacco trafficking. And so it has since become – you know, very popular. We have a lot of um, heated rivalries locally, a lot of um, high-end colleges, and I'm sure you've heard of Tobacco Road rivalry specifically between Duke and Carolina. But Tobacco Road itself is synonymous with this area of the state. And really, you know, when we started our club, you know, we wanted something that reflected the region, something that had, you know, a purity that local folks could get behind and, and, and really support, and it just, you know, really stuck out to us. So it's something that we've embraced and, that, and I think has been embraced by our local community. And that's wonderful to hear. And I always love to hear about local community being involved with uh, a soccer club, whether it be amateur, lower level, professional, or, or, or in the top leagues as well. And that's wonderful. Uh, what is the league that you, your club plays in and how competitive is it? Uh, so we play in a few different leagues you know so our goal is to provide a year-round amateur platform you know we have a team a tournament team if you will which is more of a collective of you know, some of the best talent in our area you know recent professionals you know long-term amateurs that um, competes year-round whether it be in local leagues uh, one of them being the triangle area soccer league uh, that's a qualifier for uh, carolina's cup the carolina's championship which we've won a couple of years in a row which um, allows us to represent Region 3. You know, so we've got that trajectory, which is more of our pure amateur route, which will be the young men uh, playing this weekend. Uh, we also filled a team every summer in uh, USL 2. And we also have a, a team that competes in the USL Academy model. That's very wonderful. I mean, for most of the people that do understand, obviously, uh, the level of talent has grown very well uh, within the United States. Obviously, most people will always recognize New Jersey, St. Louis uh, being the top level, the top level town, including Minnesota. Florida is now getting better. Uh, what is the amateur scene and the entire soccer scene now 
uh, coming in North Carolina. Now, obviously, we all know Charlotte FC is in MLS. The Charlotte Independence is in USL League One. Um, and there's been other clubs as well in uh, North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina FC is also in USL League One. What growth have you seen in North Carolina uh, especially in your area that says, you know, we got something here going, going well. Uh, well, I'd put our area up against any area of the country. I think there's been ex- exponential growth uh, probably in the last decade, really, really start started by the youth clubs. You know, NCFC, as you mentioned, has been the predominant uh, professional presence in our immediate area and also backs one of the largest youth clubs in the country. You know, we're also blessed to have, you know, many of the top universities, I um, mean, the country from a soccer perspective are very local as well. So I, I would honestly put our level of talent and, and player pool and just, you know, level of competition in the state, I think really rivals any area of the country right now. And uh, how many kids do you get from like Duke, UNC, NC State, uh, any, any other, uh, you know, North Carolina state universities? I mean, how many kids do you get a year? Uh, to play all year round or, you know, after they're done with their college season? Well, sure. Specifically during the summer with the USL2 group, you know, we're allowed five per school and we have great partnerships with many of the local universities you mentioned. So I typically get, you know, up to five from Duke as well as Carolina, you know, some from NC State as well as a lot of smaller schools, you know. So we, you know, our mission is to provide a platform where if you can play, you can play, you know, regardless of politics or black Mm -hmm. background or, or institution, you know, so we take a lot of pride in pairing players from some of the best universities scholastically as well as, uh, as, well as uh, athletically in the country alongside young men from our community that may not have that particular pedigree. And so that's really the melting pot that forms our community-based club. That's absolutely brilliant. That's wonderful to hear. Who is your top player that you have managed that has either gone to the professional levels in, in the U.S. or maybe you had that one guy that has uh, made that trip to Europe, if possible, but who have you seen that's been uh, the best player that you've coached? And at the same time, who is your current best player right now? Uh, there's a lot of guys that could fit in that bucket, and I don't want to leave anyone out. But, you know, there's we have several guys who've come through our club who are currently playing in the MLS. Um, some that come to mind, uh, Mauricio Pineda with Chicago Fire. Uh, Johnny Nelson up in Cincinnati. Um, you know, Niels Bruning is playing over in Germany. These are – all three of those are, are um, University of North Carolina guys. Um Several others I can mention, those come to mind from recent teams. Uh, one we had this summer, we had uh, Peter Stroud, who's ranked as one of the top collegiate players in the country right now at Duke, uh, was our standout, but several others. You know, I hate to, 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 to really get into single out individual players as, you know, we really stress the, the, the collective and, and, and really call them those players as leaders to, to bring the overall level of the group up and, and, and give young men opportunities through advancing in the game. That's fantastic to hear. Which league do you perform in right now for the amateur sides? Uh, local league we perform in is the Triangle Area um, Soccer League, which is, if not the largest, one of the largest adult associations in, in, in the country um, at last check, uh, which gives us a path you know, to qualify for other U.S. adult soccer endeavors. So that would be our local league. And then 
um, you know, we're USL bound uh, in terms of USL properties. We play in USL two every summer, as well as the U19 Academy model. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds great, and you gotta be in. You gotta be in it to win it, obviously. When you uh, get these opportunities to try and qualify for the Open Cup, I know that's. Uh, I always talk to these amateur sides. You know, this is the greatest thing uh, to come, and uh, obviously. Uh, there have been many, many past great amateur sides like Agen Hawks in the Washington, D.C. area. Of course, most recently, what Christos FC has done in the Open Cup, uh, we keep mentioning them all the time. They've always been um, hard-nosed side going out there. Uh, many We've talked about Dallas Roma many years ago, how they had a run. Uh, how Christos had their run back in 2017. Um, it's just been wonderful. And, of course, uh, you're hoping to get your own run as well, don't you? Uh, we are. You know, we, we take a page from a lot of those clubs. You know, we've faced some of those clubs in, in amateur competition. And, and, and really the inspiration for uh, wanting to make an appearance in an open club cup has really come from the success that we've seen some amateur teams um, have I mean most recently um, NC Fusion, you know, one of our rivals in, in USL League Two, made a run last year. We're very familiar with that group, and and really this group we have competing is a little bit of an older group. A lot of these young men have um, significant professional experience, and are some of the better collegiate players that have come out in the last few years. And you know, we we will be a hard nosed group. You know we ask for nothing. We 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 must earn everything, and and we want to leave it all on the pitch. Absolutely, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen uh, this upcoming weekend. Um, let's talk about your opponent right now in this uh, second round qualifier. You're going to be hosting Mint Hill FC. Um, what is special about Mint Hill, and at the same time, what have you noticed through scouting or if you were able to scout them? Uh, what is the situation uh, when you're going to face them uh, on uh, Sunday? Uh, this upcoming weekend when you're going to take them on for the right to move into the third round? Sure. Well, they're a UPSL team, you know, representing the Charlotte area mm-hmm. of North Carolina. We're along with them. We're the two North Carolina teams um, in contention this year. You know, I won't give away everything we've learned about them. Obviously we still have to play the match, but you know, they're a younger group, you know, they're experienced. Um, you know, we've watched you know, some of their UPSL games. I have, I do have a high level of familiarity with a few of their players. You know, so we expect them to be scrappy. You know, they look technical, and we expect a very good match. I bet you will. It's, I mean, you're fighting for another round of the Open Cup qualification round. Just out of curiosity for our, um, our listeners uh, here uh, on the show, uh, do you like to press? Do you like to defend? Do you like to counter? Do you like to play in a diamond formation or a straight 4-4-2? What is the calling card for Tobacco Road FC? Uh, we want you to fill us the next day. You know, we really want to be a team that aspires to. <laughs> we want to compete for everything. You know, we want to win every 50-50 ball. We want to win every second ball. We want to press. We want defense to turn the offense, and we want to repress if we lose it. So I think an unwavering intensity and focus is, is what we want to see on the pitch from our young men. But most importantly, we want you to wake up the next day and know you, know you played us. You know what? After hearing that, I run them right through the wall for you. Oh my God! I would definitely. You know, I, I've had um, 
you know, I, I mean, you know, when when you talk to a lot of uh, coaches or assistant coaches on this show, and whether they come from MLS or they come from USL or even this or NASL back in the day, um, you know, you know what you're going to get from them. But you know, when when I hear it from the amateur side, especially um, Eric French, who is the head coach of Colorado Rovers, I mean, you know, when I ask him that question, you know, what a what a what a very passionate. Uh, speech he gave and uh you know that's what i want to hear that's what i want to hear from uh you know in the amateur levels that you know you have that same passion too there cedric and it's no wonder why your players want to follow you and 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 follow the tactics and the formations that you give them match in and match out well, i appreciate that feedback I've got an extra roster spot open if you uh, can make it to Durham this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I'm, I'll be part of the over fifty crowd soon. I promise. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to find a way. I don't know how, but I'll find a way. No, I'm just. Kidding. I'll just be on the sidelines cheering. That's all I'll do. But that's absolutely. thoughts and uh, you know your belief in your club and what you're going to do this upcoming weekend thank you again for your time good luck uh this coming sunday and uh, hopefully you'll advance to the third round thank you very much daniel i appreciate the invite look forward to future conversations absolutely good luck all right thank you sir sir cedric burke tobacco road fc as they're getting ready for their Open Cup qualification match against Mint Hill FC. Joining me right now, a little more south from North Carolina. We're heading over to Birmingham, Alabama. It's FC Birmingham, and joining me right now is the head coach, and Mr. Preston Goldfarb. Preston, good evening, and how are you tonight? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for taking the invitation. Congratulations on making it to the qualification rounds of the U.S. Open Cup. What does it mean for you and the club as well as the area that your side is going to take a part, excuse me, take part of the qualification <laughs> stages to get to that opening round? You know, um, going back a little bit, if you don't mind me digressing just a second, um, I was the coach of, this, of, yeah, of the uh, team uh, back in when they started in 2021, and midway through the first season, um, I resigned. We had some issues, and um, I just felt like for my health and for the club's health that we needed to part ways. And I had no idea um, I was going to get called back, and I guess it was – September the 20th, they called and wanted to know if I would meet with them, potentially coming back. Um, and so I said, you know, I'm happy to meet and talk to you. And it was then that I found out that they were uh, playing a qualifying round in the Open Cup, which was, you know, it's fantastic to be in that situation, but it kind of blindsided me as well, trying to figure out what we're going to do. I've only been with them, let's see, we had two, five, six, seven practices thus far and played three games uh, in the UPSL. And so um, this is a, a big one coming up this weekend. Um, I, I have no idea 
the team that we're playing. I don't know anything about them or or anything, and that's probably the best for me um, to not know and just work on our team and what we can do and can't do. Uh, but it's a big thing for our city. Uh, you know, we have the Birmingham Legion here as well, um, and they're in it, you know, but they're well far advanced. They're, they're the pro team, and we're the semi-pro team. And um, I'm just excited for our ownership. Um, and the, the, I think it's a great thing to have a team like FC Birmingham be exposed to this level um in the Open Cup. I think it's a great thing for our city and for young players coming up uh, to see an amateur team have a have a real shot at, at doing something potentially in the Open Cup and being being in it, number one, and hopefully having success in it, number two. Well, listen, I have to say this. If they really thought highly of you to bring you back, well, you must have left a very wonderful impression with ownership, and that's why they probably brought you back. And I'm very happy to hear that they did because I'll tell you right, you can get them far and into that opening round draw. uh, That's going to start sometime uh, next year, January, February. By all means, uh, Preston, I think you might be the man to take them uh, for that opening spot in the opening round. Well, that, that's nice of you to say. Um, right now we're having some problems getting a few of our guys uh, certified by the Federation. Uh, they're from other countries, and they have to get certified. I, I don't know that they ever played there because they've lived in the States their whole life, but I, I don't really understand all of that. But we've got three key players that – um, we need to get cleared. And there were two players that when I came back, I brought back with me um, that played for me at first and I, who are great players. But neither of them are eligible to play because the roster was frozen even before I, I came on board. Um, and we're mm. trying to just make some progress and uh, do some good things and play soccer the, the right way, which is play simple. Yep. Absolutely. Sometimes simple is even better than complicated. So we'll see what happens uh, over the weekend. Uh, For those of us that are not familiar with uh, Alabama as a uh, a hotbed of soccer, could you just explain to us and for the uh, audience, you know, what steps at the same time, how has the level really improved in the Alabama area, whether it be in Birmingham or within the entire state? You know, that's a really, really good question. Um, I started back in 1975, I think it was, or 74. I and two other people started um, a youth organization in Birmingham called the Mid-State Soccer League. At that time, the YMCA was the proponent for playing soccer for kids. And it just wasn't conducive for anyone learning anything. And so we, I wrote the Constitution and we got it going. And at one time we were the largest organization in the state for youth soccer. And since that time, um, I left youth soccer uh, in the early 80s and went to coach in college. I got a law degree and then I went and coached in college. Uh, at one place for 33 years uh, and retired uh, in June of 16. But um, 
soccer in this area has really, really grown um, exponentially from what it was to where they are now, not just in Birmingham. Obviously, Birmingham um, has the bulk of it, but the uh, other main cities uh, in Birmingham, Huntsville, Mobile, um, Montgomery, they have very viable, strong soccer teams and, and leagues and clubs. Um, and are doing very well. Um, I think, uh, I, you know, I, I hear I'm not really that in tune with the youth any longer, but they're trying to get MLS next here. I think maybe one of our clubs has a potential to do that in the youth, um, but I'm not sure of all of that. I know Huntsville has always been progressive in soccer, even uh, when youth was starting in Birmingham and I went, to the college to coach, I did a lot of recruiting out of out of Huntsville. Um, obviously, the German um, of Huntsville with the space program uh, and Werner von Braun, who came over and helped start that, um, brought an influx of, of German people, and soccer really blossomed um, in in Huntsville even well before it did in, in Birmingham. Uh, and now we have. Tuscaloosa, which is 60 miles west of Birmingham, we have the Mercedes plant, which is predominantly German workers, and so there are more German players there. My coaching license is from Germ from Germany as well. Huh. Um, I went there and got my license in, gosh, 1991, I think, is when I got it. Um, but yeah, it's um, and so my my teaching is obviously in German in nature, as way it's always been because I love the possession soccer and, and, and playing simple, not playing complicated, as you said. Um, you know, I have a saying that I've, I've used my whole career, and that is we play peanut butter and jelly on white bread with a glass of milk. We're not champagne and caviar, meaning simple, not fancy. And, and that's how I've developed my programs uh, over the years. And I'm trying to instill that into this club that I went back to now, uh, it's been a year since I've been there, and um, they've had two coaches since me, and it's been a, um, you know, it's been a battle. Uh, we're trying to climb a mountain and uh, correct some things that we need to correct and, and get them playing the, the right way. Uh, well, the way I believe. There's no really right way. It's the way a coach believes they should play based on um, his players his or her players, uh, meaning um, a coach has to develop a system to the players, not the players to a coach's system. And so trying to – there's only like four on the team that I coached in the beginning. Um, and so the rest of the team is basically different from what I had. And um, so I'm having to adjust to them as much as they're having to adjust to me. And um, I think we'll – you know, I feel – I feel good right. about where we are right now, and I feel that we'll give a good accounting of ourselves this weekend. You know, whether we win or not, I don't know, but we're certainly going to do our best. And that's all we can really ask from you and your players, just to go out there, do your best, and, you know, find a way to get the result that you need to advance to that uh, next round. And you will be taking on uh, Kalanji 
uh, Pro profile. Obviously, they also come from uh, Georgia, so that's uh, thankfully not too far away uh, where yeah. you are over in Alabama. So at least the at least the ride won't be that te- won't be that difficult for your opponents uh, coming over to take you right. guys on. But um, right. um, and would you say that this club has been able to take on players that have played at UAB? Obviously, uh, a brand new. Uh, stadium in downtown Birmingham, you know, it has the college football team. It has the Birmingham Legion playing there. I know the USFL league started over there as well. Um, To see soccer being played in downtown Birmingham, in your mind, is is that a major victory for the sport in the country, especially in the state? Yeah, I mean, you know, people thought I was crazy back in the seventies. You know, I knew that we had a battle and the battle was Alabama or Auburn football. That was the battle um, that we had to try and overcome to get people to, to buy in um, to our game, the, the soccer game. So I think what has happened with the protective life stadium, it's a wonderful venue. Um, and I mean, it really is. And it's, um, it's a perfect spot for soccer and, um, obviously, football plays there too, but um, I think it's a it's a real boost to the level of uh, people coming to watch soccer. Not just specific soccer folks, but a lot of different people coming. And I think the more we get that involved like that, the better it's going to be in our state and certainly in our city. Um, as far as um, the players that are on this team, I don't think we have any players that played at UAB. Um, there are a couple of players on the team that played where I used to coach at the college I coached at for mm. 33 years here in the city. I didn't coach them. Um, I, they, they came after I retired, and, and they're good players. Um, so I think, you know, that's really – we'd like to get into some of those players uh, from UAB and – but you know, when you're playing a, at Division One level, their their thought process is professional. Uh, it's not amateur, and so it's a hard sell to, to do that. Um, you know, when I was at Birmingham Southern, we had to sell different things. We had to sell a small private liberal arts college, uh, very expensive but very strong academically, and we were NAI in the beginning, and um, we were always in the top ten. We were competing for national championships most of the time I was there. I think we won 17 conference region championships in in 33 years that I was there. And we uh, we moved from NAI after being in the national tournament. And um, five times we were uh, in the five, three times of the five we were in the final four, and once we were runner-up. Um, then we moved to – we had a very visionary president, um, moved us to Division One and – um, we were only able to – we couldn't play for anything going through the compliance, so that was another step about soccer and getting players to come buy into something like that. But then they got a new – he resigned. He retired after a long time at Birmingham Southern. We got another president who came in and moved us to D3. So, again, we had uh, – for 10 years, six of those 10 years, we couldn't play for anything. So it was a very difficult sell somewhat like what we're trying to sell with an amateur team having a pro team in the city, you know, your neighbors. Um, But I think, Mm -hmm. I think being in um, the open cup is the right step for our club 
to get some publicity and notoriety of being in something as, as great as the Open Cup that's been around forever. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's a wonderful uh, opportunity to get into the spotlight. And one thing is for sure is that uh, no one's going to take you lightly. Everyone's up for the grabs for the same prize that uh, you're going after and everyone else is going after. And it really should be a fun, fun weekend. And hopefully FC Birmingham will be the one on top to move on to the next round. Preston, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate you coming on the show. And good luck this upcoming weekend against Kalanji Pro uh, Select. And uh, hopefully you, your, your team is the one to advance to the next round. Well, you're very kind to say that, and you're even kinder to have me on. So (laughs) being as old as I am, I appreciate anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) Always got to respect those that have done it before us. That's absolutely true. Have a good (laughs) evening, Preston, and thank you again. Thank you, Daniel. Take care. You're welcome. Preston Goldfarb, head coach of FC Birmingham, as they're getting ready for their Open Cup qualification round. Now, He really needs no introduction at all, but he gets one anyway because he deserves it and he's earned it. And I'll be honest with you right now, U.S. soccer, or should I say the Soccer Hall of Fame has to create a private wing for him no matter what. He runs Chicago House, AC. You know him and you love him. It's Peter Wiltz. Peter, good evening and welcome back. Thank you, Daniel. It's great to be on again with you. It's great to have you back on. Look, I mean, I, I'm going to go through the list no matter what. Chicago Fire, you part of uh, their history with a four-time Open Cup championship team, even though you were part of probably two, two to three of them. Uh, you created Indy 11. You created Forward Madison. You have three clubs that you've created that has automatically entered the Open Cup as professional sides. But now with Chicago House and Nissa, and even though it looks like you're going to go with them as in, in through qualification, you're on the other side of this. You've never had to qualify through the Open Cup being with these three professional sides. What type of challenge are you expecting now? Because one and done is coming too early for you. It is a challenge, and it's a fun one. It's a good one. You know, I – I like being the underdog, I think, more than the favored. Uh, I was going to use the term overdog. I don't think that's a term. Uh, but I like being the underdog, you know. Um, and this is a good challenge, uh, uh, being part of this process. I, you know, I thought we were going to start a month ago. I was surprised that we were one of the teams given a bye to the first round of qualifying. So now we have uh, three rounds that we need to get through in order to get to the tournament itself in the spring. Well, like I said, Peter, you deserve your own wing at the Soccer Hall of Fame. So probably this is U.S. soccer buttering you up. I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens. But I'll (laughs) I'll go along with that one. But, you know, um, it's really interesting to see what's going to happen here because, you know, with the way, you know, I know that some of the the NISA clubs are going to probably go into, uh, depending on where they start, you know, as you know, your third division league, whether you're going to be a part of entering with the other USL leagues, obviously championship in the third round, maybe also second round. 
uh, or even third round. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, to have this opportunity to go and qualify for this, I mean, what did, what have your players have asked you about or has anyone even asked you about what's it like, you know, being a part of something as big as what you've done uh, for the game in this country? Well, they didn't ask me, but I told them anyways. At a training session um, last week, I, I talked to them about it, and I, I told them about the great history of this tournament and how important it is. And I, I you know, I love the tournament, obviously. I love what it's it's meant to this country and to the sport. And the good fortune I've had to be part of, you know, four uh, U.S. Open Cup champions. And so it's been – I try to share that enthusiasm with the players. But I think they get it. You know, um, these guys are mostly from Chicago. Uh, Chicago's got a good tradition with the tournament. And they've embraced it. Uh, they're really looking forward to the match on Sunday. And, you know, we're playing um, Beasley's old club, right? 20, 1927 Fort Wayne Sport Club. And I was with DeMarcus over the weekend and talking to him about it. And, you know, he's excited about the game uh, because that's what this tournament does. It, it brings together some up there, strange bedfellows. Now, as you said, DeMarcus Beasley, was that also his brother? Hello. Whoops. Hello, Daniel. I'm here. You there? Hi. Sorry about that. Yes. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, is that also the same club uh, as DeMarcus's brother played with as well? Were they both there? It is, yes. DeMarcus and Jamar both played on uh, Fort Wayne Sport Club um, in their youth days. Oh, okay. That's wonderful. Hey, listen, you already you have the, nor- the notoriety, and now 1927 SC has a notoriety with the Beasley brothers. Uh, <laughs> so that's going to be a fun one to, to see. Um, what have you, I guess I can ask you this question. I mean, obviously you've done a lot for the Chicago fire. Um, you've seen the talent in Illinois and the Chicago area. I mean, what has you, I mean, smiling or, you know, you've never knew this, you never knew that, or you always known that, Chicago inner city kids have the talent to go out and do the damage that you have always wanted to bring over. I mean, obviously Slonina is now going to go to Chelsea now. Who knows when he goes back to Chicago on, on loan? We don't know, but you know, that's the local right there. That's going to do something with Chelsea right now. Well, I think the Midwest premier league, which we had the good fortune to play in this year really demonstrated to me the quality of talent you know, playing amateur soccer in the Midwest and in Chicago in particular. Um, you know, most of the teams in our division are in Chicago land. Most of the players in our league are from Chicago. And, you know, the, the, the talent in clubs like RWB Adria and Steel City and Berber City and uh, Chicago City um, uh, uh, and um, Chicago United FC. I mean, <laughs> these are really talented clubs. They're well coached. Uh, they've got good. Some of them have good young talent. Some of them have some older players. 
you know, you think of them some some of these clubs as weekend warriors, and some of the the heritage, the ethnic heritage clubs like RWB Adria, but there are some really talented players on these clubs, and they play good soccer and it's competitive. Uh, the Milwaukee Bavarians ended up winning. Uh, the Midwest Premier League this year is real bunched up at the top. It went down to the final day. It was uh, just a fascinating competition uh, and entertaining as heck. Um, so I really enjoyed it. And I, and I think, um, you know, it shouldn't come as a real surprise to anyone that there's so much talent in these major urban er- areas in America, you know, particularly in the northern part of the country. And that goes back generations and generations. But even now that there are MLS teams or USL professional teams in these same markets, the amateur soccer continues to be at a really high level. No, it really is. I mean, as you said, the Milwaukee Bavarians, I mean, they got their automatic spot winning the U.S. Adult Soccer Association Championship, and they're automatically going to the opening round of the Open Cup. I mean, there's no doubt about it, Peter, and I know you're a part of this because, you know, I'd like to think, and I'm not saying they probably didn't need it, but in all honesty, the way you have set up these clubs in the Midwest, I mean, like I said before, Indianapolis, uh, Chicago Fire was the start. Indianapolis became the second. I know you want to try to get another Milwaukee professional side. It didn't work out, unfortunately. But now Madison, Wisconsin, um, and back to Chicago with Chicago House. I mean, to me, it looks like you're trying to shed a light and even aim the spotlight at the Midwest and to show that these players can do the job. Because we always talk about the St. Louis players. We don't really talk a lot about about the Wisconsin or the Illinois or, you know, the Indiana, the Indiana players that are, you know, blossoming in front of your eyes and now in front of our eyes. Yeah. Midwest has had strong uh, soccer for a long, long time. And, you know, you know, going back um, a century really into the early part of the 20th century. And it was always kind of the St. Louis area players versus the rest of the Midwest. And, you know, I've been studying some of that other parts of the Midwest uh, in the early 20th century recently. And it's, it's uh, Chuck Carlson, who is the Chicago House Club historian, uh, turned me on to the history of a number of these uh, ethnic clubs from downstate Illinois that were really competitive with the St. Louis clubs and even some of the clubs out east uh, in the um, the Open Cup, uh, the, the coal mining areas um, in central Illinois particularly had a number of good teams. Uh, some of them were fueled by the talent from Scotland, a lot of Scottish immigrants. Um, and that's an aspect of American soccer we don't think of a lot. We think of it um, Philadelphia and New York and you know more on the East Coast and then St. Louis only in the Midwest, but Milwaukee, Chicago, uh, Detroit, and then even some of these um, smaller uh, town communities in Indiana uh, and um, Illinois have had some good talent, good teams going back to the 1920s or even earlier. 
since you've taken over SeatGeek Stadium over in Bridgeview, uh, what's it been like, you know, with the people to watch, whether it be the Nissa League or your amateur team uh, going out there for qualification? Yeah, so I was out at uh, SeatGeek Stadium yesterday for the Chicago Fire game, and it was, it was wonderful to, to be there. The sight lines are great. I actually watched I – ha- I had sweet tickets, which was very generous of the, the fire to provide them for me, but I actually ended up uh, sitting in the upper deck on the opposite side of the suites uh, because, well, A, the, the sight lines are actually better from up there, it's, it's an overhang, so the view, there's not a bad seat at Seekeek Stadium, uh, but also the, the old barn burners, uh, who were the first supporters of the Chicago Fire, uh, had a bit of a reunion, and they were sitting up there. So it was nice to renew some old acquaintances. But I love that stadium. You know, we played at Seekeek Stadium, Chicago House did, in 2021 uh, when we were in Nisa. And then this past season, when we were in the Midwest Premier League, we actually moved um, into the city, uh, into the Bronzeville neighborhood of Chicago, and played at Stewart Field on the campus of Illinois Institute of Technology. Um, This Sunday's game against 1927 Fort Wayne Sport Club is at Hales Franciscan High School, uh, also in the Bronzeville community of Chicago. And that helps fulfill our mission of bringing the sport to underserved communities in Chicago. So we're very proud of that. Um, This game, uh, for anyone listening in Chicago, it's uh, free admission, but we're asking for a minimum $10 donation to New Life Centers, uh, which is an urban organization that uses soccer uh, to bring cultures together uh, in Chicago. Um, So we're, we're trying to do good. Uh, good works on the field and off the field uh, to make Chicago a better place. And the Open Cup is a perfect way to do it. I mean, this Open Cup is so much fun. It's the only way in America where clubs at different levels can test themselves uh, against higher levels. Uh, we don't have promotion and relegation at this point, although hopefully yep. that changes in the near future. Um, but in the meantime, the Open Cup is a way to do it. And it's also a way to connect with the history of uh, the sport in this country. Chicago alone has had winners of the Open Cup um, in probably five or six different decades over the last century. Yeah. Real quick, Peter, just to ask you, what type of game are you expecting against 1927 from Fort Wayne? And has DeMarcus tried to sell you any secrets? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I did talk to DeMarcus. He's, um, so uh, you know, they just dominated the Ohio Valley Premier League. Um, 1927, Fort Wayne Sport Club. I believe they scored 54 goals in the season while giving up only three. A goal differential what? of 51. It's just astounding. Oh my God. And so that has us nervous. Um, I think you're a back uh, I, I talk- think their intention is trying to make you uh, gone before you even get started. No, exactly. Well, I said that we're the underdog in this in this match. And, you know, we have a few uh, really talented players who have continued from when we were in NISA and are still with us, including Captain A.R. Smith, uh, Damon Almazan, and uh, Soso Kim. 
so we have some very good players with professional experience in their background, but this uh, 1927 Fort Wayne club is going to be a handful. And so we're ready for it. And we're not underestimating them by any means. And, you know, you take them one game at a time. It's a knockout competition. But if we're fortunate enough to win the next three rounds, then uh, we'll likely be paired, I'm guessing, against Milwaukee Bavarians next spring. And then if our fortune would continue, then we could end up uh, facing, in order, three of the teams I started. Forward Madison as a first, uh, yep. uh, third division team. Uh, Indy 11 as a second division team. And Chicago Fire as a first division team. I think it's highly <laughs> unlikely we get that far, but a boy can yep. dream. <laughs> That's right. Spawn dreaming, Peter. Thank you again for being on the show. I appreciate it all the time you come on. I really am grateful that you come on this show. Have a good night. Good luck in the uh, second round qualification this weekend. And hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Daniel. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Peter Wilt, owner, Chicago House AC, as they're getting ready for qualification. Joining me right now from Nevada, Battleboro, Mr. Mark Radow, who is the owner of the club, getting ready for their Open Cup qualification match this weekend. Mark, good evening, and welcome to the show. Daniel, pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you very much for taking the opportunity. Very happy to have you on. Um, when you got the official wording that uh, your club was going to be taking part in the qualification rounds. What was the first thing that came to your mind? This is uh, uh, an opportunity. This is our chance to have a day in the sun in American soccer. This is uh, the most level that the playing field gets. So when the opportunity comes to showcase, you know, the hard work your team does, you want to, uh, you want to jump at it. Absolutely, and I don't blame you at all. I mean, this is going to be a very, very big moment for your club. And if I mispronounce it, let me just say it again. It is Battleborn FC. Where in Nevada are, is Battleborn located? You know, thank you for asking that, because when you tell somebody you're from Nevada, they immediately think you're from Lake, uh, Las Vegas, and that's about 400-something uh, miles away. So... Uh, we are in the northern Nevada. We're in the northern part of the state. And the um, the biggest city up here is Reno. And there, it's, northern Nevada is an accumula- is a, uh, aggregation of a few different towns. You have the state capital, Carson City. You have Reno, Sparks, Lake Tahoe. A lot of people are familiar with Lake Tahoe. So our club is comprises the, the entire region, and that's one of the reasons why we named it Battleborn to be inclusive for the entire region. And that's wonderful to hear, to always get a group of people or even a, a big region to be a part of a community soccer uh, team, football team, and that's just wonderful to hear. Um, so if I can ask, when you get your club ready to battle, where do you get most of your players from? Is it the local high schools? Is it University of Nevada? That's probably not far away because I think they're mostly closer to Reno. You know, uh, great question. Predominantly, our club is our lo- local guys, and a lot of the most talented athletes that come from northern Nevada 
had to leave northern Nevada as they aspired to develop their careers because Nevada didn't have a pro team that and um, and actually UNR the university that you talked about uh, Title IX they don't even have a men's team so there, there was a vacuum at the top before we um, before we formed the uh, the Battleborn first team. So um, a lot of the guys are, are local, but they have uh, global experience. Um, a lot of the guys have played in South America. A lot of the guys have played in Europe. And um, there are guys on the team right now that are from the local high schools, and we bring them up from our academy teams to play on, on the first team, the guys that are uh, have a, a future, you know, the guys that are promising careers. Mm-hmm. No, that's great to hear. Um how if I can ask you this question, obviously, you know, Reno did have a USL championship team that did play at Aces Ballpark in the downtown Reno area. When they were uh ending operations, how much of a disappointment was that for you and for your players? Not saying that, you know, you were inspiring to be a professional side, but just to see them, you know, leaving after a certain period of time. You know, um, there was there, there wasn't much there wasn't much good that came, that from the, the initial reaction of that it was just disappointing. You see any team fail in American soccer, and you, you know everybody feels like they just got you know gut punched. Um, I think you have to though when you peel the onion back a little bit on what happened with that story, and um, then then good things you know, come out of some adversity. I think the first thing about that was understanding why uh, that team, and they named it Reno 1868. Um, and it mm-hmm. was just a Reno team. It wasn't, it wasn't inclusive. And the, uh, and, and they didn't even have any academy team. There's no way to grow into that team. And, and there was maybe one guy in their whole history who ever came from a local background to, to play on the team. So there's a bit of a gap there, and that's the antithesis of what we're dealing. We're we're creating opportunities and and focusing on the um, homegrown concept and and giving people some career path and and making the uh, a, a career in professional football or even in college, trying to make that more tangible for people. I think the funniest thing about this story is if you really uh, get to the brass tacks of what about why they left. You had a, a soccer team which plays on a rectangle playing in a baseball field, and that's like the epitome of the square peg round hole idea. And there was just a uh, – at that level, that group, there was just a lack of a commitment to the sport. And that's kind of what the divorce came from. And, again, i got to say that's the antithesis of what Battleborn is about because we couldn't be more all-in – and committed to the sport and it's, it's true soccer guys, football guys that are and girls and women that are involved in our, in our program. And that's wonderful to hear that, you know, how you feel and, and, and how all of this has happened. And obviously when I heard about what was going on with Reno 1868, I mean, I felt sad. I felt sad because the club was ending. I felt sad for all these soccer players, these youth soccer players that were, you know, attaching themselves to be a part of the sport that hopefully one day to go from an amateur team to them. And of course, you know, now 
it sounds like it's your turn to take the flag and to carry it for uh, not just the northern part of Nevada, but maybe for the entire state as well. Exactly. And I think that's the silver lining. At the end of the day, what else can you do but find the silver lining in some adversity? And I think the, the last few years, um, we've been blessed by having some a great coaching staff, um, Andrew Robles and Tito Bonilla, two guys that are so committed to uh, not just the, the first team, but through, through our, our whole academy. Um, we've got an administrative group that has done an amazing job of coming together and building a grassroots uh, foundation. And it, it's, I think it's just shown in the performance of the guys at the top. And we've been at the top of the uh, the UPSL for a couple of years. Then we were undefeated playing in uh, NISA and, and, and went a distance in the in uh, the NISA uh, Open Cup also. And and uh, we it's it's high level football. These guys are good. And I was just listening to your your previous guest, wondering if how far he can go. And you know I don't know. Call it a dream. But I think we can get pretty. I think we can get deep into the rounds here, and I'm looking forward for you know to showcasing you know the hard work that everybody's doing here. Oh, absolutely, and hopefully you will have that opportunity to get deep into at least the hope is to get to that opening round draw for next January, February coming uh, very soon in a couple of months. So hopefully, uh, Battle Born will be there. Um, what type of style do you like to have your players play in, whether it be pressing, defending, maybe a counter? You know, what makes Battleborn such a difficult side to face in your local Nevada amateur leagues? You know, that's uh, uh, I, I don't want to give the uh, the secret away. I don't want to give away the secret of no, success. Of um, but I would tell you that we've got a culture of of soccer here people that that grew up with the sport and so it's in their blood and we've been fortunate enough to have some guys that have played a handful of guys that have played overseas where they did their development overseas where technical is exceptional exceptional technical skill and I think that allows us to play a game of possession that others haven't seen. They don't see readily. Um, and because we possess, we can play out of the back. You can, uh, you know, draw the, draw the other team in. And it's, it's just, it, it works so smoothly that it's, um, pinballed and, and, and the guys can just set it up perfectly in front of the goal and they just basically hit it into an open net um, and, and and they control the tempo of the game the pace of the game and it all comes from uh, in the, in, an outstanding technical side of of the game no, absolutely, and I can't wait to see what you guys are going to do uh, this upcoming weekend it should be a lot of fun. Who is your top player right now? Could be, you know, goalkeeper, defender, de- defensive midfielder, attacking midfielder, striker. You know, Who is your best player right now uh, that is getting your guys ready to go? Yeah, that that you know, um, I got to tell you that it, it's situational, right? There are guys mm-hmm. that 
stand out because of their work ethic. There are guys, and their, their pace of work. There's guys, and they'll they'll sprint, you know, goal line, end line to end line. Um, they're guys that are, are are so technical with the ball that you like they. It's like they juggle. It, it's amazing. It's magic what they can do. They're guys that are so fast that you know. It, 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 I mean, just outrun the uh, you know anybody on on the field. So, and and they're guys that will that will. Can, can win. There's no such thing as a fifty-fifty ball, right? That they they just mm-hmm. win the ball every single time. I I can't. There's eleven guys that 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 win the game, and there's a, a bench that is that that you may they may not see as many minutes during the game, but they're instrumental in delivering an, an exceptional performance. Um, I, I, I can't give you – I honestly – I'd love to give you names, but I can't. It's a group effort. That's really fine. Is. No, no, that's quite all right. That's quite all right. Not a problem at all. You know, just I want to make sure our play our, – our, I just want to make sure our fans knew who to, you know, w- take a look at when they look at the box score and, and how the matches uh, were, you know, were performed, if that's all. But let me just say this, yeah. that you're going to be taking on a very, very solid opponent here against Modesto City Football Club. Now, uh, obviously, uh, we're not asking you to deliver the secret sauce either, but in your mind, what do you think uh, you'll be ready for when you're going to take on a club like that? And have you faced any clubs coming from um, Northern California, which is not too far away? Obviously, the Bay Area is not far away from Reno and Lake Tahoe. We were fortunate to face off with Modesto last season. Um, in the Nisa Open Cup, and they definitely know how to play the game. And that team is filled with passion. If if you let them get up early, um, you're going to have a really hard time uh, coming out with the W in that game. So um, they're a solid team. They're a solid team, and um, and they're. They work hard, and I know they want. I know. Well, we came out ahead in the last game, and because they play with so much heart, I I know that we're going to have our hands full, um, because they're they're fighting doubly hard this time, and that and that and that that keeps me up at night. Oh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. When you know you got a good opponent coming at you and you got to find a way to game plan against them and go after them and find a way to get that uh, important victory to move on to the next round or at least uh, stay at the top of the table, you know, you have every right to feel worried about it. So I don't blame you at all for having those feelings whatsoever. But, Mark, all I can say is this. Good luck on the weekend. Hopefully you guys uh, will advance to the next round, and we'll see what happens. I hope you uh, have a good night. Take care, and good luck. Well, I hope if we uh, make it to the next round after this, the third round, I hope we get a chance to uh, talk again, okay? Absolutely. Hope so, too. Have a good night. Right on YouTube. Thank you. Thank you, Mark Mark Radow, Battleborn FC over in the Reno area of Nevada. 
Joining me next, uh, this gentleman is the uh, head coach of Bellevue Athletic FC in the state of Washington near the Seattle area. And this is Mr. Sean Spencer joining me tonight. Sean, good evening and how are you? Daniel, how's it going? I'm good, thank you. Very well. Doing very well. Glad to hear from you. And uh, congratulations with your club attempting qualification for the Open Cup. When you received the news that your club would be performing in these qualification rounds, what was the mood like with you and your staff? Uh, So for me personally, you know, this is, you know, this is what I've grown up with back in England. You know, I lived in England my entire life. And as a, as a kid, the the biggest trophy in England is the FA Cup. Um, So then moving, moving to America, you know, you just want to be involved in something similar, you know, where you can, you can have an amateur or a semi-professional club and you get the chance to, you know, a one-off knockout, get into the next round, and then ultimately you you have to be beat to get kicked out of it. And if you're not beat, you get a chance at the, you know, at the big boys, which which for me is you know what what soccer's about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we can say football. It's okay. It's all the same thing. We don't mind uh, saying football. It's quite <laughs> all right. But I have to say, <laughs> but I do have to say that. Um, you know, when when we talk about, uh, you know, developing players anywhere in this country, uh, especially what the Seattle Sounders have done, uh, developing local players in the Seattle area, uh, I mean, the Washington State players have really grown to become solid, wonderful players. When you come to bring in that talent, and what you see in front of you, explain to everyone who's listening to the show, what does that mean for you when you see the talent is growing in your area? Yeah, and I think, you know, ultimately that's that's the most important thing, isn't it? You, you want to be able to provide a, a platform that enables players to, to flourish, you know. And again, like looking back home, regardless of the level of player there's there's a platform for that player and there's a platform for the better players to to move up through through the pyramid now like you just said you've got you've got the sounders here which is which is the top level but there needs to be stuff underneath it and with with the the help of you know the UPSL that is enabling um you, you know people like Bellevue Athletic and and other teams around to to provide that platform. I think it's it's you know what the country country needs. And now that you've got players before they go into college, during the time at college and and afterwards, and and players that are sort of falling out of the the system a little bit for you know whether it's family life or work or whatever it is. And now you know you you're giving them a chance to. to to practice three times a week and then competitive games on the weekends. And now there's the opportunity with the U S open cup to, you know, to get through the rounds and, and, and play against these bigger teams. Oh, absolutely. And of course, you know, I've learned something new actually that I never knew about. And obviously I bet you've been watching that show as well, which is welcome to Wrexham. 
of what's going oh, yeah. on uh, with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney purchasing Wrexham AFC. And, uh, you know, I've we always talk about the FA Cup in England, but I never knew what the FA Trophy was about. But now I do know it's the same thing as the FA Cup, only it's below those clubs that fight in the leagues below fourth division, which I never knew existed. I thought it was just oh. some sort of participation trophy, but th- that is something new that I never knew about. Yeah, well, when I was up until I was 18, I, I lived in a, a village called Bursco. And Bursco has got like a, a proud history of, you know, going back to over a hundred years um, of, of of playing playing football. And back in, I think it was 2000, 2001, 2002, um, they actually won the FA Trophy. It was played at Aston Villa's ground in the final. Um, and Sean Teal, uh, who was an ex-Aston Villa player, was, was the, the manager. Um, and again, it just enables, you know, this is a tiny little village played against Tamworth, which might not mean, you know, anything. But at the time, they were in the same league as what Wrexham are in now. Um, yeah, and they, they, they managed to come from nowhere and win the FA Trophy. And again, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of um, gate receipts because it attracts bigger teams. And like there was um, Gillingham in there as well. And then, you, you know, they get the money from, from the FA for winning and qualifying through each round. So it, it just sort of benefits everybody. Mm-hmm. No, it really does. And I'm very happy to see that happen. I always thought everyone's going through qualifying and then that would be the end of it. And then you go right into the opening round. But uh, to see that happen, it's it's really fun to see. And uh, I haven't seen the latest episode yet, so don't ruin it for me if you have. I'm, I have a DVR, so... Uh, I did see the semifinal victory in the last episode uh, for Wrexham, so we're going to keep it away from that. Um, bring in players. Obviously, like I said, um, it, it's wonderful to see uh, the, the players coming from the state of Washington. We all know Seattle. It's loving of the sport. Uh, Bellevue, I believe also, with the amount of players that you've brought over. Do you get some players from the colleges or from the universities like um, Washington University, Washington State University, any of the local colleges or high schools that come to your club to perform when it's not uh, their collegiate or high school seasons? Yeah, so I know last last season, obviously, I, I wasn't there. I just joined over over the summer. Um, but they had some of the players that now play for Seattle University. Um, yeah, there's a striker from Seattle U- University that was that was down last uh, what day was it? Last Tuesday, um, practicing. Mm-hmm. And again, he's he's not been featuring much this season. So again, you know, he's able to to come down and, and practice with us, and you know, just sort of get them extra extra minutes. Um, and we're, we're, we're trying to see if he's able to, you know, come and play on the weekends and, and stuff like that. So, you know, going back to that, that platform, you know, we're, we're, we're here to support, you know, whether it's the universities, the colleges, whoever it is, it's, you know, it's a perfect platform. So they don't, then don't have to not play at all or not get the extra training. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. 
and that's great to provide them with that opportunity. And hopefully uh, they have learned a lot from you. Obviously, if it's the English way of things, it, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, although I'm English, and, I, and that's obviously where my roots are, I would say I'm like heavily influenced by um, a few other different cultures. The FA, the FA kind of, um, like when Spain was winning everything back in 2008, we had a lot of the, the Spanish FA guys came over uh, to the FA and, and did workshops and courses and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, that's, that again is, is, is something which is, which is happening now in, in America where other cultures are able to um, put their sort of influence and, and, and you have this like melting pot and, a, and an epicenter for, for coaching and for playing. And I think that's, you know, that's obviously been one of the biggest issues with, with America is the epicenter of, of coaching and of football has been, has been Europe where now America's, you know, got a bit of a mix from South America and all, all over the world. Absolutely, all over the world. It's fantastic to see that happening, and it's right here on our shores as well. Um, which league do you prefer? I mean, like you said, you perform in the UPSL. Uh, and obviously, it's, it's a na- national league. It's all over the place uh, in different mm-hmm. areas. How competitive is the UPSL division that you are currently in right now, and what are some of the teams that you face against? Yeah, so our... So it's broke. It's broke down, obviously, like you said, into regions all across America, and um, our full season is a like a smaller group. It's almost like um, like a Champions League group, if you will. Um, but so far, if it were like three or four games into the season, now some teams have played a game more. But everybody is beating everybody, if that makes sense. So nobody's running away with mm-hmm. it at the moment. Um, ourselves have won one, drawn one, lost one, and other teams are, are, are the same. So, you know, it's very, very even, which is, again, quite quite nice in that there isn't, you know, this massive gap between the bottom team and, and the top teams, which, you know, cre- creates competition. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say at the moment it's it's very competitive. And along with the competitive element we've got you know our youngest player is 16 who's super talented and then our our oldest player is like 33 um so again you've got you've got that range of of players that are coming through so it's not just you know the the players before they go to college or it's not just the players that are just finished with college it's it's a good broad spectrum and i would and I would say that's pretty much true for, for all the teams that are in our league in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, do you like, I mean, obviously, whenever we watch the Premier League, we always they always talk about pace and, and how the players mm-hmm. are always, you know, on the front foot and going for the goal. Obviously, everyone has to. We all know that. But do you like to play a different type of style, a different type of tactic? Do you like to press? Do you like to defend, counter? What, what's, what's the, what, what is the MO of Bellevue Athletic? So, first and foremost, I like to set up a team to, to control. 
you know, you've, you've pretty much got two options when you're setting a team up. You're either a counter-attacking team or you're a possession-based team. And you have to make that decision pretty, pretty early on. Um, and also you need, you need the, the players for that. Um, and I, I always like to be on the front foot. So I want my team to, to control it. And, and there's a whole host of, you know, different terms, terms for this. Um, ultimately, again, like Bielsa sort of says it, says it's best. It's like you, you can win, but you also, as a coach, and for me and my philosophy, I feel as though that I have like an onus to the players and to people that are watching, you know, for the games to be exciting. And to be exciting, we we need to attack quickly. We need rotations and 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 all this sort of good stuff. And ultimately, for that to happen, players need to be connected positionally, units. Um, and then when the ball breaks down, you know you've got the you've got the counter press element, Gergen press. Or again, there's there's a lot of buzzwords flying around at the moment, but. Um, we do like to win the ball back as quickly as possible and mm-hmm. our attacks kind of set that up. Now, the challenge with that is, you know, you can take that and there's no limit. So, I right. mean, the the prime example at the moment is Man City. You know, it can keep mm-hmm. growing and growing and growing and growing. The issue with like a counter-attacking team, you're always going to be sort of limited, but it's a lot easier to set up. You know, you can set up a four-five-one. You can defend in your own half. You can organise your players to be tight. And right from the start, you can see you can see results quite quickly. But the problem with that is, you know, there's not a great deal of room to progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's it's kind of making life hard for yourself, but at the same time, it's exciting. It's, it definitely is. Well, Sean, thank you for your time. I know you've got a big matchup against Legend Football Gold. This should be a fun one on the weekend on Sunday. Hopefully your side will advance to the next round, and I cannot wait. Thank you for your time, and have a good evening. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, have a good week. Thank you. You too as well. Sean Spencer, Bellevue Athletic FC, getting ready for their Open Cup qualification match this weekend. It should be a fun one. My final guest tonight, coming all the way from Modesto, California, and this is uh, Mr. Christian Copeland of Modesto City FC. Christian, good evening, and how are you doing tonight? Hello, guys. Good. How are you today? Very good. Very good. Thank you for joining me for tonight's show. When you found out that your side was getting ready for the qualification rounds of the U.S. Open Cup, what was the feeling that you had, and what was it that you were discussing with uh, the coaching staff to get ready for these qualification rounds? So, yeah, first of all, thank you for having us. You know, it's a pleasure to be here. When we find out that we got approved to play the Open Cup, you know, we already knew that it was going to be a good experience because we, we played last year, last season, and then mm-hmm. the experience was, you know, amazing. A lot of the players, you know, from they got so much experience from that game, especially because they got to play against an NPSL team contra Costa FC, and then, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, we couldn't win, but, you know, they won, and then they 
they went all over to to play against Portland, Oregon. So we we were so close, you know, to play against pro teams. So this year is gonna be better, you know. It's gonna, you know, we've been training the whole year, day and night, because you know this time we want to go, you know, far away. Now we want to keep going, you know, not only in the second round. No, and that's so, wonderful to hear. And hopefully, yep. So yeah, you know, that's, we we preparing ourselves for this game, sir. No, absolutely, and hopefully your team will have that big run that some of these other amateur sides have had uh, for such a long period of time that we'd love to talk about. And we, I know for a fact there will be a lot of people, hopefully, to see Modesto City FC get that opportunity to go all the way into the opening round uh, matchups and getting ready for that draw. When we talk about Modesto, what's so special about the players coming from that town and Obviously, you're not far away from Stockton, uh, San Jose, not too far west, but still, though, uh, it's not that close either. But, you know, what type of players do you bring over when you have them ready to go for Modesto City? Well, the the main thing is that uh, I see, I look for players that they want to represent this club, you know, they want to represent this logo. And then we start from there because when I love my club, you know, so I need to have people who will represent my club with the heart, you know, in the field. And then we look for players that that they're gonna have commitment to keep coming to practice. And then we we make the last, you know, decision like into probably two three weeks before the the deadline, you know, to send the roster. It's not easy because we have players from from Stockton, California, we have players from Tracy, we have players from the Bay Area, we have some players from Turlock, we got some players from Sacramento as, as well, so we have a, a, a lot of players, you know, they all want to go play and represent our club. Most, most of them, you know, they got a lot uh, high level, and then they, they it doesn't matter how far they got to drive, you know, they come over here, and then every time they come here, they get to work, you know. We we work hard every day, every night, and then we our goal is to help the community. You know, it doesn't matter if they're from Odessa, California, or they're from the Bay or from Northern Cali. We just wanna, you know, bring bring the highest level in Odessa, California, because this city, you know, we didn't have anything like this before, and there was so much talent, so much people, you know, with with big future. And then that's why we took the decision, you know, to create this club to help the community and bring the higher soccer in town. We already know San Jose Earthquakes is the gold standard. They're the top club in the Bay Area, including the area of Central California. I mean, you also have Oakland Roots. Uh, you also have in Northern California, there's Sacramento Republic, who just came very close to winning the Open Cup, almost upsetting Orlando City in the championship final. You also have Oakland SC and NPSL. You also have Oakland Stompers, Sacramento Gold. As you said, you played Contra Costa. Um, and you have all these other clubs, San Francisco City uh, in the area. I mean, do you see the growth? Because we always talk about Los Angeles with all these players that are doing very well down there. 
Have, what type of growth have you seen in the Bay Area and even in the, in the Modesto area for the player pool that you can bring along? Well, there's a lot of talent in the area, so, you know, soccer is growing in the whole nation, including the Central Valley and Bay Area, because as you see, you know, you can search it out. There's a lot of clubs now. Every every month you, you will see a new club going to different leagues. Why? Because there's so much talent, you know. There's a lot of good players that they, though somebody needs to see them playing, you know. So... I'm um, a point of view. I think I think there's a lot of good players in Northern California, sir. From from all over from Bakersfield, all over to probably Chico, you know, Sacramento, San Francisco, San Jose, uh-huh. California. Uh-huh. So soccer is growing right here in Northern California, sir. Fast, you will see a lot of kids. Every single park, you know, you will see a lot of kids playing soccer. Kids, women, girls playing soccer. So soccer is growing super fast. So in the same way, you know, players are growing as well. They they get super pro. They there's a lot of players. They go into college, universities. They might be from little towns, you know, but they have a big talent. And then there's so many choices where they can go play, you know. But you know, in, in this case, we we trying to help them to keep growing, you know, their career. That's why we trying to bring the the higher stocking model to California, sir. It, it's not easy because there's a lot of clubs, you know. We have a, our neighbors. It's Torlock Academica. They play in MPSL, so and we have a really good relationship with them. Also, with clubs from UPSL, NSL, Nissan National. So we're all doing the same thing. Why? Because this soccer is growing so much in Northern California, sir. It's wonderful to hear, and obviously, it, it's just great to see the amount of talent that's growing in front of your eyes that we're seeing all over the country, uh, American talent uh, playing abroad, whether it be uh, our, our neighbors to the south in Liga MX uh, or playing in Europe or even playing in South America. I mean, it's just wonderful to hear. Um, it, which league does Modesto City play in, and how difficult is that league? Right now, we're playing SWPL Pacific Region, and mm-hmm. it's related to affiliated to NISA, NISA Pro, and NISA Nation. So mm-hmm. the level is really good, sir. You know, every single team they got good players, good stuff, and then, like I told you, now you just keep growing, sir. And then we used to be, we used to play UPSO, same thing, you know, good teams, good venues, beautiful places, you know. And then our goal right now, we're playing SWPL related to, we're affiliated to NISA, so thanks God we already got approved to play NISA National next year. So our next step is NISA National. It's growing, you know, MTNC is growing step by step, step by time, you know, and we're not. We we're not in a hurry, you know. We're going slowly, but we want to do everything correct, you know, to make it and to keep helping. Absolutely, guys. absolutely. No, I listen. You go at the pace that you feel you need to get to, and I don't blame you at all. Nope. If you feel like you need to go slow and steady, that's how you got to do it. No one should tell you how you should run your club. You run the club the way you should do it. Yes, sir. Yeah, we're going step by step. We apply. We already got to play Nisa Independent Cup. We got we had to drive drive all the way to Washington, 
we play against the champions, you know, Wenatchee. It's a really good club. You know, it was a good experience. Thanks, God, we got approved to play Independent Cup. So that, that Independent Cup opens the door to, to MCFC, you know, because we, we got to play MISA Pro levels. So thanks, mm-hmm. God, we did great. And then right after that, we, you know, we, we, got, we applied for, to play MISA Nation, and we got approved. So also, we, you know, because we got approved, we started looking for a new venue, and we got a new place. So our place, you know, is beautiful now. We can bring, you know, any club, and we, we want to make them feel like they play in a pro level, you know, inside the pitch and outside the pitch. And, you know, we're ready for Nisa We cannot wait to start next season once they start, you know. But right now we play in SWPL. It's the same, you know, same affiliation, but because Nisa National right now, they don't have a league because few clubs, you know, they left the competition, but, you know, once once they started, you know, we're going to be there, and then we're going to present Modesto, California, and we're not going to stop starting to, you know, we make it pro. That's our, my main goal, to make my club pro so I can make our players pro so we can see more players, you know, making it, making the dreams come true. That is fantastic, and hopefully your dreams will come true, and that can happen. Uh, cannot wait to see how that will be for Modesto City. Um, who is your best player right now uh, on your club currently? Or you know, it doesn't matter what position they play. It could be the keeper, striker, midfielder, defender. Who is your best player right now, and who has to watch out for him because uh, you know that player is very devastating to the opposition. Absolutely, yeah. His name is Diego Medina. He's my captain, and then he has some Europe experience on his shoulder. He played professional level in Greece, and then he he played professional with Bay City FC, a professional club from the Bay Area. And and then he has a lot of experience, you know. So he's bringing his knowledge to our field, to our teammates. So we we believe. On him, and then he knows he believes in our our you know project. He he believes in our players, so he's the captain and he's number ten, sir. Like once again, his name's Diego Medina. That's fantastic, and hopefully he'll be the one to uh, give you the spark that you need to move on to the next round. Um, your opponent will be Battleborn FC in the Reno, Nevada area. What? Uh, what problems can they give you, and, and what are you have to look out for when you're facing a club like that uh, if from a, from Nevada that uh, can be uh, very tricky? Yeah, especially because they're the champions. They they got the first place in Nissan National last season, so we already know that they have a good level. You know, they're really strong. They they got a lot of speed. We. We already got to play against them twice. We we had a scrimmage back like probably two three months ago, and then right after that, that was when we, we got put to play in the Pender Cup, and then we got to play a game, you know, against them. And then this is gonna be the third time that we're gonna play against each other, you know. So hopefully this time it's gonna be better for us because we're preparing, sir. We bring in, you know, better players every time for for this Open Cup. We bring in pro players from different clubs, from MPSL teams and NISA national teams, because we know, you know, we know already the Battleborn has a a really good squad, solid squad, sir. 
you know. So we got to be ready. We got to be on top of that. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, tricky, tricky games, these nice little rivalries, these nice little derbies. It's going to be exciting to see, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to watch it, and hopefully there will be a stream so we can watch these games and uh, have some fun. And uh, I cannot wait to see what will happen uh, during that time. And all I can do is just wish you good luck in your qualification round against uh, Battleborn FC, and uh, good luck uh, for you and for your club in your leagues uh, down the line this coming season. Thank you for your time there, Mr. Copeland. Thank you very much, guys. God bless you guys. Thank you. God bless you as well. All right. Christian Copeland, Modesto City FC, as they're getting ready to take on Battleborn FC in the second round of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. Here's the schedule for this upcoming weekend. It will be Saturday, October 15th, and Sunday, October 16th. Just to give you a heads up, uh, if there will be a stream through New Logic, New Logical Tech between Lansdowne Yonkers and the New York Greek Americans. So get ready for that one. But here is the, here are the games right now. Uh, as of right now. For this coming Saturday, Queensboro FC2 will be taking on Oyster Bay United. TCSA hosting South Carolina United Heat. FC Birmingham hosting Kalanji Pro Profile. Brockton FC United hosting Boston Street FC. <coughs> Excuse me. U Nations FC hosting Santa Cruz FC. Florida Premier FC hosting Gainesville City FC. Naples City FC hosting Naples United FC. Orlando FC Wolves hosting Club de Leon. Nova Northern Virginia FC hosting Germantown City FC. Bowling Green FC hosting Beeman United FC. Um, Erzgeberge from Pennsylvania. Uh, Varungung Erzgeberge will be hosting Lancaster Elite. United German Hungarians hosting Westchester United. And uh, that's going to be uh, uh, now Sunday. Uh, New York Greek Americans hosting Lansdowne Yonkers. Tobacco Road FC hosting Mint Hill FC. Sahara Gunners hosting IASC Boom in Rochester, Buffalo area. And uh, Western New York. Jackson Lions hosting SC Vistula Garfield. Hurricane FC hosting City Soccer FC. Uh, Miami Soccer Academy hosting Juventus Academy. And Inter Soccer Association hosting Miami United FC. Currently, not knowing which day they will be playing, but these are the other three games uh, that will be played, but we don't know if it will be played on Saturday or Sunday to be announced. DC FC hosting Christos FC. Valhalla FC versus excuse me, hosting Metro Louisville FC, and of course Peter uh, Wilts Chicago House AC hosting 1927 Fort Wayne SC. That's in the east. On the western side, Azteca FC hosting FC Denver, LA Monsters FC hosting Desert FC, Alamo City Soccer Club hosting Defeaters Kicks, D10 Lions hosting Houston FC, Olympians FC hosting Valley FC Raiders, 
Laguna United FC hosting Capo FC. Real San Jose hosting Inter San Francisco. Elk Grove Blues hosting Davis Legacy FC. UDA Soccer hosting Coronado Athletic Club. Athletic Club of Sloan's Lake hosting Boulder United FC. Modesto City F- uh, Football Club hosting Battleborn FC. Orange County FC hosting Temecula FC. And finally, Bellevue Athletic Club hosting Legend Football Gold. That is the uh, matches for this upcoming weekend in the second round of qualification for the 2023 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. And finally, New York Red Bulls segment. Uh, final match on decision day, a 2-0 victory for the New York Red Bulls as Elise Manuel gets his brace, scores two big thundering goals to give the Red Bulls a 2-0 victory. Inter-Miami loses and drops to sixth, while FC Cincinnati defeats DC United and moves up to fifth. So Montreal defeating Miami, putting him into sixth, FC Cincinnati defeating DC United, pushing them up to fourth to, to fifth, uh, which means the Red Bulls keep fourth place as NYCFC uh, wins over Atlanta United and holds third. So this upcoming Saturday, noontime at Red Bull Arena, the New York Red Bulls will host FC Cincinnati for the very first time in the MLS Cup playoffs. And it should be a fun one live on TUDN. Spanish language, but on English language, MSG Networks gets one more match as it will be Steve Cangelosi, Shep Messing, and Michelle Gingris for the call, pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. So it should be a lot of fun. It should be exciting. I personally cannot wait. And ladies and gentlemen, that will do it for tonight's show. I want to thank my guests for tonight. From Tobacco Road FC, Cedric Burke. From FC Birmingham, Preston Goldfarb. From Chicago House AC, Peter Wilt. From Battleborn FC, Mark Radow. From Bellevue Athletic FC, Sean Spencer. And from Modesto City FC, Christian Copeland. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. This is Daniel Feuerstein. This has been the Feuerstein Fire American Soccer Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Have a good evening. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now.